It's Wednesday, November 27th, 2019, and you're listening to episode 532 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 45 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. I'm Dale. And my name's Chad. All right, so something that's going on right now and is going to be going on for a couple months. Fear the Con's funded, by the way. Yes, oh yes, number one, Fear the Con is funded. So let me pause right here to give a big thank you to all the people that backed Fear the Con. We're going to take a look at what exactly we can do with the money that we've got. We're definitely going to do everything, We're of course. We're definitely going on a cruise with this yes. money. So, so you are never going to see us again. Right. This is the last episode of Fear the Boot. Thank you and goodbye. Yeah, yeah, we made that, that tight Fear the Con money we can <laughs> yes. roll off. But no, so Fear the Con is, is definitely on the Kickstarter funded. And Wayne and I, I think, are going to take a look at no promises here whether we can stretch the money a little bit farther than mm-hmm. what came in to get you we we guarantee you'll get what was funded we are going to try to also get you a little more than was funded by pinching some pennies and doing some creative math what All were right. the uh, stretch goals that were made the stretch goals that were made is fear the fruit fear the fruit for anyone who doesn't remember or is newer to the show was back at previous fear the cons we would go to a farmer's market right before the convention and buy a large quantity of fruit. So apples, grapes, grapes, bananas, oranges. oranges, And this was handed out free during the convention to anyone that wanted it because, first of all, I mean, it's free food. Secondly, because of the fact that it's a healthier alternative to whatever you're eating during the week. And then what we would do is at the end of the convention, we would take a substantial amount of fruit that was still left over because i mean we bought mm-hmm. huge amounts of this from once again a local farmer's market and we would donate it to a women's shelter because i mean it's really fresh it lasts a long time so on and so forth so but yeah that fear the con is funded so that's once again june 18th for the social mixer 19th and 20th for the con i will be coming back to you with details soon on exactly when we will start the tourism Probably the Tuesday of that week, I'll let you guys know for sure for anyone who wants to come in town for that. All right. The other thing, and this one does not involve, well, actually, I guess it does kind of involve money, but not anymore. (laughs) Because Gamers Table was successful in funding their Kickstarter all the way up well into their stretch goals, there is now a show that they're running that Chad and me and Wayne. Wayne's on it? I think he's on it. He on it. I think he's set up for some future episodes. I could be wrong. Chris is on it. Isn't he on it? Chris is on it. Oh, Lord. Okay. Man. Well, I don't know. Uh, Man, Chad, talk about taking down the rent in the neighborhood. All right. Chad and I are on it. Everyone else is just dropping property values. <laughs> but what Eric has done, Eric being the moderating host of Gamers Table, is he's gotten together hosts from a ton of different podcasts. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday nights, every week, I believe, at 9 o'clock p.m. American Central Time, he is doing a live stream on Twitch where you can come in for an hour. It's just pick our brains on whatever you want to talk about. He does usually have a starting yeah. topic. Just to kind of get the flow going. You're right, but yeah. we, we take audience questions and comments. It's all on Twitch. You can watch it live. 
And if 9 o'clock p.m. Central is not possible for you, then there's also the video on demand where you can go back and watch it later. I will link to this in the show notes, but if you are interested in catching the show, and Chad and I have both been on mm-hmm. it already, and it's a ton of fun. Yeah, I've done two episodes. Great. Then check the show notes for a link to Big 20. And once again, that is every Sunday for the next mm-hmm. several months. Like, this is going into 2020. Plenty of good entertainment there. Yes. We're having a lot of fun doing it, so be sure to check that out. Well, speaking of good entertainment, I have to say... This episode is not going to be good entertainment because we promised in the last episode oh, that this yes. was going to be about a certain thing. And it's going to be about me. And it's going to be about the greatest episode ever because it's about me. Well, Wayne got sick. And since Wayne was the hype man for the how to be a bully, which I really do think this was an intervention, but we'll see. They said it wasn't. We are going to put a pause on that episode topic of how to play a bully. Yeah, when Wayne came down with a pretty severe case of gingivitis, <laughs> so he is out for the week, and as a result, mm-hmm. we are putting the promise topic of how to handle a bully character in the party. Or Chad's intervention. Or Chad's intervention on hold until a... Probably next episode, hopefully, assuming yeah. that Wayne is here. Yeah. So because he was the hype man, he's the driver for this. Yeah. So. so today we are going to talk about something else that was inspired by an hour of lazing around after dinner in a food coma because we couldn't think of a topic. Well, no, yes. yes. I mean that that is sort of how we got there, but it's not what inspired it. <laughs> oh, okay. What inspired it is so Chad, you finished your Blades in the Dark game. Yes, I did. Finally. And yes. you guys decided to finally mm-hmm. play this brand new cutting edge game. I know. Right? It, it is. I, you probably haven't heard of it. You probably not heard of it. This is a really small indie press game. Brand new uses a lot of really, I weird mean, it's still in beta really experimental concepts. I mean, mm-hmm. this is kind of high concept sort of game. Yeah. All right. So if you're, if you're a grognard, if you're like an old school type gamer, Oh, you've never even heard. Just of bear with us through this episode. <laughs> right. It's going to be rough. So you guys have started playing this game called, uh, is it Traveller? Trav- Traveller? Trav- Trav- How do you pronounce this? Is it French? Traveller. Traveller. Uh, Traveller. Travier. Travier. Tra- Traveller. Okay. Traveler. So yeah. you started playing this game called Traveller. Yes. That apparently has been around since... 1977, I believe. I was going to say, I think it's late 70s, because if you guys were saying it predates fast as Star Trek, yeah. that yeah. was like 82. It's so, like the second role-playing game. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you guys are playing Traveller. And one of the things about Traveler, for anyone who has never played the game, is Traveler makes a entire game out of character creation, mm-hmm. where what you desire for your character, that's a stated goal. That's not a guarantee. You don't get to sit down and say, I'm going to be the space wizard and be the space wizard. You get to say, I'm going to try to make it into the academy. And then you roll to see if you made it into the academy. Right. And in Dawn's case, you get arrested and go to jail somehow. Mm -hmm. But the game has all of this randomness that keeps shifting where your character goes through life until the game begins. And you have a character that you made the choices on, because it's my understanding you have kind of risk and reward roles. Is, is that correct? Where, yeah, why don't you walk us through? Yeah, give us a real yeah. high level of how uh, Travier characters are made. <laughs> All right. So the basic concept is first you start off by rolling your uh, stats, same way as D&D, except, you know, 2D6 as opposed to 3D6. But 
uh, anyways, you get a bunch of skills that you acquired until you turn 18. And this is where care gen really begins. You choose a career. You roll from a list of careers. For, from a list of careers. Mm-hmm. You, you've got current edition being Mongoose Traveler 2nd Edition. Which is what we're playing. What is the total edition on that? You said Mongoose 2nd oh, There's, there's multiple companies that made it. There's yeah. Traveler. There's Mega Traveler. GDW made it. There's okay. Mongoose made it. All right. So Mark Miller is the guy that originally created Traveler. He is currently up to Traveler 5. Yep. Okay. And this is not Traveler 5 that we're playing. Yes. Or 4 or 3 or 2 or anything. This is a different version. So this of is a side. Okay, all right. It's well, not even a side thing. I, it's I, like the, it's like development forks, right? You're right, right. Okay, yeah. so this is like a total nightmare on GitHub. <laughs> yes. So, all right. Yes, very much so. Don't forget T Hero and T Twenty and there's there's ones that are in the SRD. There's ones that yeah. aren't. There's OG, you know, Traveler, which is like the first one. There's oh. versions off of that. So it's Without, worse. It's worse than Lovecraft. Uh, honestly, if you're interested in role playing game history, I did not really know anything about Traveler other than it's really old. And I read the Wikipedia article on it. It's pretty interesting stuff. I mean, it is uh, no joke. It's probably the second official role playing game ever made, huh. published. It was made in 1977, and it has just been forked off and forked off into all these different branches. So, all right, so. Explain within the edition you're playing. Okay. What, what's the gist? What's the nickel tour of character creation? Okay. So say you decide to go into the army. You roll to see if you qualify for the army. If you make it, you get a bunch of skills for your for your basic training. Themed to what it is. So yes. Okay. Yeah, so like, like it, guns, survival. Right, yeah. Okay. Whereas right. if you did Space Wizard, it wouldn't necessarily be guns and survival. It'd be right. Space Wizard, correct. So then you roll to see if you become an officer because you start off as a private. From there, you go on to roll to see if you survived your your tour. If you survive, then you get uh, some type of event that happened during your mm-hmm. time there. And if you fail to survive, the optional rule is this is where you die in care gen. <laughs> but the standard rules are that you fail out. Something mm-hmm. happens and you have to leave your career. Yeah. And we're not just talking like go from one company to another and the same thing. No, you are just ruined to the entire profession. Mm-hmm. Of that. So you have to leave at that point. And if you survived, you get a benefits role. Yeah. And when, when we say survive, it's like you choose to, say, go into the Army or Space Wizard Academy, which actually really isn't in there. There is no Space there Wizards. Is certain, yeah, no. there's Psionics, but no Space Wizards. All right. Again, like, like Dale was saying, you, you get some skill points to specific skills, packages and stuff. And then you see if something happened. There, there's two event roles, right? There is... Did you get harmed during this? I mean, your basic training, right? You know, it, it's dangerous. No matter what profession you are, you can get hit walking across the street by a car. Sure. So let's say you succeed. Fine. You, you move on to the next step. You fail the role. It's just a role, right? You fail the role. And then there's a small random chart for each of the different professions. So like if we say basic training, one of the options on there, and I'm making this up, is you get shot during firearms training drill and your character, which is not finished being made yet takes X damage to Y body part or something. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to admit I'm not playing in your guys campaign sure. and my knowledge of traveler is pretty limited, but it's from very the, new from the, yeah, it is brand <laughs> new, which is why I've not had a chance to pick it up yet. But the way you were describing it before, it sounded like there was some sort of risk reward mechanic. Like let's say you're in jail 
Yes. And you can choose to either roll something to try and escape, which makes it worse, or sit out the sentence, which burns, I'm making something up. Yeah, One yeah. D six years, but the what happened to me chart's not as bad. Is that true, or am well, I just, did I just invent that? You're kind of sort of on there, but not really. Uh, it's one of the events that can happen is you have the option to try to, to sneak out and leave. Yeah. You roll the bad thing happens. It's like, you, you know, you get shot during basic training. Take damage, whatever. The next thing you roll, whether you do get injured or not, the bad stuff happens. Like, even if bad stuff doesn't happen, you roll an event. You roll to see if you succeeded at your training at this. You roll to see if you were injured at it. And then you roll to see if there was an event. Now, correct me if I've only done this once, so correct right. me at any point here. The event is if you succeeded the survival roll. The mishap is if you failed you the survival roll. Yep. And so the events can be like you have a rival. You know, it's, it's like in your training, a rival came up and you guys are like at odds with each other. And then you put that on your character. You now have a character who is a rival. Same thing, you can get somebody who is your best friend and that sort of thing. You can get it like an like an inheritance or something. But it's all themed to that career you picked. Wayne's character got married, isn't that uh, right? Or- yeah, or a bad breakup. Like, it's a really serious relationship, bad breakup. I thought it was just the romantic relationship improved. Oh, it might have been. Uh, that's what I thought it was. And so... Well, here's the risk-reward part, right? It's just like, so you're 18, and uh, was it four years? Yeah, each each, uh, each term is four years. Four years. So you make a choice now. Either you got injured or you didn't, or you succeeded or you didn't, or there's a good event or a not-so-good event. Now you make a decision. Are you going to basically cash your chips out? On each career, there is the rewards for the career. And it's not really rewards, but it's just like you make this amount of money, or you get this kind of gear stuff out of it. And you can say, well, I only got so many skills, and I only got so much stuff. I almost got my ass shot off, so I have a little bit of an injury. But I don't really feel like I'm done with my character yet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in for another four years. Now, not necessarily to the military academy. Now, you can re-up to the military if that's the kind of character you want to play. Or you do something like I did, where... I was a noble, like I'm talking lazy, sort of dilettante, worthless leech of society, noble. There's a career path for that. And I did that, and it's like I got involved in politics, and it didn't really work out for my character, and I got exiled. And so that was kind of interesting. And I'm like, well, I want to do something else here. Well, he got exiled, and he was involved in politics. I'm going to, instead of cashing out the noble thing, which the cash out for the noble thing is I could get a lot of money. Whereas if you're the military guy, you know, you're not going to get a lot of money necessarily, but you're maybe going to get some contacts or some good equipment or, or, or a gun or a gun, you know, that sort of thing or some additional military skills. I'm like, well, I'm going to go the agent, the espionage agent sort of career path for my second go around. That adds four years to my character's age. And then I have to make these roles again, which means that I have to roll to see if I succeed or fail. Well, first I have to qualify for it. Do I have the stats to qualify? Does my roll make sure I qualify to get in? Right. Then I make a roll to see if I wash out or not. And then if I wash out, well, that's four years wasted and bad stuff can still happen to me. It's all risk reward. Then I make a roll to see if I was injured because I can get my ass shot off again. Right. Then I make a roll on the event, and not all the events are, are positive. Like my noble, I got exiled. I didn't get anything. I got a rival out of that. I got somebody who hates me, and my character is guy is exiled. And so I roll on the events, right? And then I, it comes up again. Do I wish to cash out? 
Now, when I cash out, I roll on the noble chart for lots of money because that's the noble thing. And I roll on the espionage chart, which is maybe not that much money, a decent amount of money, or like high-tech, crazy spy gear sort of thing. Or do I add four years onto my life, and do I try this again on another career path? Right. So the the thing that came out of our discussion of this Mm -hmm. is the role that randomness plays in terms of dictating what you're playing, because obviously there's room to interpret. I mean, I I think in some ways what this reminds me of is looking at clouds. So, you know, this one looks like a dog. This one looks like a whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, you see in the clouds. But there is a set of random things that create something that we then start to see a pattern in and a story emerges from. Now, in the far more stripped down version of this that they used in the fastest Star Trek game some years later... It's not as detailed, but there's Mm -hmm. still like, you know, you go on your first cadet tour and do really well, get a great assignment, and then suddenly flunk out, and then on your next one, do a little bit better, whatever, and you're left to interpret that. Why did this happen? Did you do well on the cadet cruise because of the fact that you really were that good, but then you got overconfident and on your first tour assignment failed because you were too arrogant? Or was it the other way around? Was it maybe somebody propped you up through that cadet mm-hmm. cruise, and once you got exposed for what you really were, <laughs> you suddenly had to work a lot? I mean, there's a hundred stories oh, you yeah. can come up with yeah. there. There was a Star Trek game that we played years back where, hysterically, one of my sisters threw the other one under the bus and reinterpreted her story that she had basically been sleeping her way to the top. <laughs> and when she finally bombed one of her tours, it was because <laughs> the... Captain didn't accept. Wasn't, yeah, yeah, I gotta do that. Wasn't buying her advances or whatever. One of the other things that this frequently comes up in is the randomness of the really hardcore methods of, let's say, Dungeons and Dragons character creation. What used to be, and I don't think anymore, as I think they changed it. What used to be the hard method one mm. of you roll three d six. Straight down, so 3d6, six times, in order, top to bottom, and whatever that rolls, you have to keep. In that order. In that order. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you say, well, here are the requirements, attribute-wise, to be any given class. What is it I can be? And what is it that I can't be? Right, yeah, you want to be the paladin, that's great, but in older editions, there were very specific and very difficult to roll stat requirements and so the likelihood of you meeting what it would take to be a paladin is so mathematically right. unlikely that you just plain didn't see that many of them, which created a sense of scarcity, which side topic for another time, because mm. I would love to see it in Star Wars for Jedi. But you know, you got that randomness that could be, you know what, we were talking about a Dragon Age character, and I forget the character's name, but there's a dwarf. Mm-hmm. in Dragon Age, who really desperately wants to be the first... Dwarfy. <laughs> dwarven wizard, but dwarves can't be mages. Right. They are immune, in many ways, to magic. And the upside of that is that that means that they can handle certain dangerous items without too much risk to themselves. But the downside of that is a dwarf cannot cast a spell. Right. They just plain cannot do it. And so... This would be, if we turn this into a role-playing game, 
somebody who said, oh, I want to be this or that, I want to be a dwarf, and they rolled their stats, and they did not roll the minimum intelligence necessary to be a wizard. And on the one hand, some people look at that and say, wow, that's a real bitch, that's real annoying, because I didn't get to pick what I wanted to play, and that's a totally valid Mm -hmm. argument. This is not the right way to play, but it does force you to take that shape in the cloud and make something out of it to say, well, what happened here? You know, I set up to be a wizard and as much as I wanted it, I was just kind of a moron. We talked about this before the episode too. I always hated that sort of method because, you know, you roll the pound, like I want to play paladin, let's say. And second edition D&D, we're rolling method one because I don't know, we hate ourselves or something. And I do not roll the Yahtzee to make a paladin. Because it's really, really hard to do. Yeah, it is. My question is, why can't I play the bad paladin? I don't mean evil paladin. Why can't I make the not very good at it paladin? Yeah. Why can't I play a paladin who isn't very charismatic? Yeah, and I think... Or strong, or With some of the classes, I think you could make the argument that there is a minimum requisite to even enter. Yeah. You know, that if you are a mage and you are just a complete moron you simply may not be able to even interpret the magical text, much less memorize them, much less do the things necessary to cast a spell. And so someone with a four int just plain may not be able to be a mage no matter how badly they want to. They can't even be a bad mage. You know, <laughs> yeah. they they just plain cannot summon the they, magic. They do it's, not have the intelligence to read. Right. And, and therefore they cannot read and, the spells to memorize. Even them. Paladin, I could maybe make the argument that if a paladin is divinely called, if you were divinely called, you would have reflected the necessary attributes, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But but your point is still completely valid because mm-hmm. there are ones that are obviously wholly self-selected. Why can't you be right. the fighter with the four strength? Maybe he's so weak he can't wear any armor or wield anything heavier than a dagger. Doesn't stop you from trying. Right. Yeah. Same thing with a thief with a four a dexterity. What stops you from trying to pick a lock even if you have no prayer succeeding? At it. Yeah, you're terrible. It's one of the things I actually like about 5th edition is is that you know you can have an 8 int and still be a wizard. Mm-hmm. It, it's you can be a very terrible wizard, but you know, hey. Well, and I think that the old school D&D stuff, it's not about I roll terrible, I'm not allowed to buy the rules. Now, obviously we can do whatever we want, but I'm if we're playing by the rules, I'm not allowed to be a paladin because I don't make the rule, I don't have the strength, I don't have the charisma, I don't have the wisdom to do it. And I have this great character concept because of the random roles, right? And it got me thinking, it's like, man, my character is a terrible paladin. He can barely carry all the armor, and he can't convince anybody of anything, so he can't really spread his faith. And, you know, he's not really that wise, but, man, he's got this burning passion for Torm. Hail Torm. And isn't that (laughs) enough? Maybe it'll get him killed, but he's just really on fire for Torm. Shouldn't that mean something? And I think that in modern D&D, that does mean something. Because modern D&D is kind of rules medium. And you don't have to be super efficient. And you don't have to have a finely tuned killing party 
that really synergizes with each sure. other just to survive. Mm-hmm. But back in the day in second edition D and D, if you were a bad paladin, you you're a liability for the party. Yeah, you were. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're a bad paladin, that means the thief is going to die after an encounter or two because you can't protect and heal him. Mm-hmm. You know, the cleric is going to carry your weight because he, he he has to do all the fighting and all the healing. But it, I think at the same time, though, conversely, it does force you into a bit of creativity for two reasons. One, unless the dice are enabling you, mm-hmm. you can't play to your ruts. You, know, you, you might always play the rogue, and if you roll a three or four decks, but really high strength, maybe it's time to rethink what it is you're playing. Mm-hmm. And so it does push you out of your ruts, but secondly, it forces you to interpret that because you now look at that and a story starts coming together. Your backstory in so many role-playing games is effectively just excusing the character sheet. The character sheet looks like this as of round one, game one. Mm-hmm. How did that occur? Right. How did I get here? Where did these things come from? Why am I like this? Why world? am I the wizard who graduated at the bottom 1% of my class at the Caribbean Wizard School? Well, I, I think more than that, you asked the question on the way there of when I rolled that four for intelligence, why did I keep pursuing magic? Mm-hmm. Assuming the rules in the GM allow you to do so. Because my father was a mage. Yeah. And I live in his shadow. And that creates a story. And I mean, But tra- that's, that's an interesting, if overdone, character that can't kill a skeleton. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, and then Traveler is a uniquely complex version of this. Yeah. But that's funny what Traveler does, is it gives you these bullet points that then as you look at, because it's human nature, we see things in other things. We see patterns even when they aren't there. It's why optical illusions work. Because your mind wants to fill in things even when they're not there. You see patterns, you see motion, you see that X looks like Y, even if in truth they have nothing to do with each other. And I think the same thing is absolutely true in a role-playing game, where you start to see these events that I went into the military, and then all of a sudden I ended up in jail you can't help but want to explain right. that. How yep. did that happen? Uh, what, yeah, what well, happened there? And further, Who did you piss off and why? Well, and furthermore, it, it doesn't have to necessarily mean that you went to military prison. It could simply be you were captured. Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's part of the joy of this is there's not one answer. You know, it's not. I'm assuming in the case of Traveler, it's not. Well, you went to Leavenworth because of the fact that you banged the general's daughter. And so he planted meth on you. There's actually, I'm not kidding, tangent on my company a second. Things my company does is is that we come up with, uh, for Traveler, a list of 36 things. One of the things I came up with for an event for being in, uh, in the Army is you come across a superior officer having an affair, and so you got shipped off to you know, a really terrible assignment. Yeah, and you know, yeah. but even still, there's room for interpretation. Who was the affair mm-hmm. with? Why did the officer think you were going to out him or her for the affair? What kind of military is it? You know, I mean, it says something about the military that it has those kinds of values. What's going on with this person's spouse at home? Blah, blah, blah. There's a tons of things you can fill in there. And the same thing is true of if it just says, I went into the military and then I went to jail. Well, what happened? Did you not like basic training and try to get out? Did you 
go into a war zone, panic, and violate the rules of engagement and commit a massacre? Did you do the reverse, throw down your gun, and in cowardice, run the other direction? Heck, maybe it's not even military at all. Maybe it's while you were out on leave, you broke a civilian law. Yep. And you're now in a civilian prison because of the fact that you got a drunken disorderly or whatever, and it has nothing to do with the... Well, and it, mm-hmm. it goes beyond just your character, too. Because like in this Traveler game, we did not approach it of, I want to play this, therefore I'm making this character because we are playing this group. Which is, I think, normally how people, or at least in my experience, how people make groups and characters and that sort of thing. We did the reverse. We rolled everything up first, and then we filled in the blanks. But it also affected the group. So I'm a spy pretending to be a noble, or I'm a noble pretending to be a spy sort of thing. Dawn's character is... A failed thief, a failed pirate, a successful prisoner, but through all that, she made a network of contacts, and she knows how to be an astrogator because of the space pirate thing and some other stuff. Wayne's character is a thief and a merchant, and I think a thief again. And so <laughs> Wayne was in the navy. And here's how the, it's just that the events kind of made him a, more of a thief. thief. Yeah. So here's how the group cola. So it's like, okay, well, why are these ragtag people together? My character has a ship. But why are they together? Well, you ever seen Lord of War? We're gunrunners, but we're gunrunners for the CIA. We run guns. Not the actual CIA. No. Yeah, not the Celestial Intervention Agency. Different <laughs> CIA. We had to fill in the blanks of why these people are together. And it's not a matter of, well, you're a fighter, you're a cleric, you're a rogue. Why are these guys together? It's like, well, because lots of monsters have loot and need to be beaten. We had to fill in the blanks of why these people with these very diverse and sometimes weird backgrounds are together. What are the similarities here? And why do those similarities draw each yeah, other? And we kind of came together with that. That's an interesting side point. We're of, runners. Yeah, it doesn't just For the CIA. describe <laughs> your character. Mm-hmm. It also does end up describing the group. I saw this in a Star Trek game where you guys were all going through basic training at about the same time, or you're I forget what it was called. It's basic Starfleet Academy stuff, yeah. whatever. And as you were going through that, you guys had a certain number of electives to ch- take. And for some reason, you all ended up taking geology. <laughs> and the story you worked out was that most of the officer corps on this one ship oh, yeah. all took rocks for jocks. Yep. You all took geology. and you Because you, so, we were a grab ball team. Yeah, because we a, cool, yeah, a, a bunch of you grab ball team. A bunch of you had grab ball as a sport. Yep. And so, yeah, you were on the grab ball team. You all took rocks for jocks because probably the coach taught that class. Yep. And that's probably how you guys ended up as the ship's command crew because it was total nepotism Mm -hmm. of you brought your college buddies on board the bridge. Yep. And it created a group template. But it's interesting how this works because usually whether you're talking about the characters or the group template, so either the individuals or the group, that you'd start off with a player's intention. It's D&D. Dan, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be a human cleric of Shantia. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. probably neutral good. We can probably make some guesses about where I fall into things. Blah, blah, blah. But in this, you start off not with a player's desire, but with a... Well, you I'm said- going to call it a character's desire in that you say... I, I wanted to go into the military. Now, you decide why, right? The player decides why, but I wanted to go into the military. That doesn't mean that worked out. Well, You may not end up a fighter. You imagine know? making that character. It's like, well, I want to play a human character of Shantia. Okay. 
Well, go for it. Yeah, go for it. You try it, you make your rolls, and at the end of the day, you washed out of the Temple Academy, you're missing three fingers, and there's someone who really hates you. Now what? Yeah. Or, or maybe. <laughs> well, maybe I need to try that again well, and I go to the Thieves Guild. Or even on the opposite side of that, let's say D&D has Travier's uh, character creation system. <laughs> yes. And I say, I want to play Human Cleric or Shantia. Mm-hmm. And I go off to seminary or whatever they do. And I nail it. I get mm-hmm. great roles. I get my holy symbol and I get my this, I get my that, and I, yeah. I whatever it is I gain. And then maybe after that I go and do some mission work out in the field and that goes really well. And I came out of this, I'm a success. I'm the golden yeah. boy. I got A grades and trophies mm-hmm. galore from Shantia and all this other stuff. But law of averages being what it is, that probably isn't true of the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Certainly wasn't. And so... <laughs> How does that make me fit in with the rest of the party? Do I pity them because their lives sucked? Mm-hmm. Do they envy me because my life was great? Do I look down on them because and, they're all failures? And like, that's called role playing. Yeah, like, yep. you know, maybe if you tried to be faithful to the calling of the gods, you wouldn't have ended up in jail with missing three of your fingers. <laughs> right. and, Our group keeps saying our ship, and I keep having to correct them. It's my ship. Yeah, because the role said (laughs) you inherited the ship. Just because you own 25% of the ship does not mean that the... They own 1% of it because they're helping me pay for it. That's Wayne, and then there's... And then Dawn, who doesn't own any of it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She owns two. She's the astrogator. Just wait until Larry actually joins up the group and right. uh, gets it gets involved. Mm-hmm. And w- uh, let's see how much she owns. She yeah, might own twenty five percent as well, or she or might twenty six percent, or she might be missing three fingers and have a old D and D god angry at her and owe Chad money. That's right. <laughs> But that that is funny. You're paying your crew with basically uh, junk stock on the ship. That's right. <laughs> it, yeah. What's interesting about Traveler too, with the like missing three fingers is when you get injured, it costs money. You have a medical bill. And then when you cash out, you pull the money out of the, the cash-out minigame. If you the money you pull out does not exceed your medical bills, you start the game owing, and you have to make payments. Yeah. Huh. Which Dawn has to make payments to she, the medical bill. No, she, oh, she made it? She, she had enough. She had enough, yeah. She had substantially less because of it. Mm-hmm. But she also got the scout service. I believe it was the scout service where she got injured uh, to pay for a chunk of it. Yeah. 75% so of it. File this under not bad, wrong, fun, but not my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, not this concept as a whole. I actually love this concept. Mm-hmm. I've always liked, I mean, even before I was familiar with how Traveler did character creation, if you go back in the show's catalog, you'll hear me being a proponent of life paths. Yes, I realize Traveler predated, well, almost predated me, but it it certainly predated the show. But I was simply not aware of how Traveler worked. And you'll hear me still advocating for I like life path. I don't think life paths would work for everything. No. Uh, Especially games that are very, uh, shall we say, loosey-goosey. You know, like fate-type games and stuff like that. Sure. I mean, well, fate kind of of encourages that because of the fact that you have the progressing list of traits right you know you have your core concept or whatever it's mm-hmm. called and then you have traits yeah you, the, you you fill that it, it 
there's a life path. It's but, just but it you does fill make in the you blank. think right. through. Right. It yeah. does make you think through who you yes. are and how you got where you are and how you got with the party you got with. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I, I kind of dislike about this method of approaching characters, for as much as I have to say about it, that's positive. Is and Chad, this is something you touched mm-hmm. on. It just kind of irks me, and I'm going to admit this is your rational pet <laughs> peeve that. For some people, this is like their rite of passage. Yeah, they don't do it because they like it. They do it because it makes them suffer, right. and somehow that proves something. That the misery of playing something like I don't Bloodborne on its hardest yeah. setting with one eye closed and one hand on the controller, and I still... rolled method one on my D and D character, not because the... I wanted to, but because I'm a real man. Yeah, and then it's just like, well, the GM let you roll, you know, some lesser method, and your character is lesser, and it's just like, yeah, it's it's numbers. It, it it's was like these old. I don't think I, I don't know if they still do these. I haven't seen one in years, but I know in like game FAQs and such, they used to do these game challenges. Of like play Final Fantasy X using only Riku. Mm-hmm. You have to leave the rest of the party dead, and then they do strategy guides on how to do it. And I mean, I like a good challenge, but come on, I, I, mean, I also it's... don't like hitting myself in the face with a tack hammer. Yeah, so whatever. I mean, I want you. That's your thing. If that's your thing. Knock yourself out with the tack hammer. But <laughs> hopefully, you only knock yourself out. But I, I'm just. <laughs> saying that for me personally i i like this approach Mm -hmm. but there's an attitude i often see surrounding it that irks me yeah uh, that well with life path and traveler just because that's what we're talking about there's other games that have life path as well or that concept the difference between that burning wheel i believe is one of them yeah the difference between this is that method one is rigid you take what you get and screw you if you don't like it with traveler you have a hand on the tap, right? It's just like you can choose to do something like a risky profession or you could do a profession that isn't exactly like I chose noble. Noble's not a really risky profession. Probably not going to get your ass shot off. Whereas if I go into the Colonial Marines... Risky in its own way, the whole sort of Damocles thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just has a different kind of risk. Right, it's a different kind of risk. But you can also, at the end of it, if you're making a character, I make a character... And I'm the golden boy, you know, like you said, it, it, the golden boy, you know, I, it, you I took, came out old Millhouse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everything's coming up Millhouse, and it can happen. Whereas I mean, your you, character, like, you're in debt, you got your ass shot off, and you failed. Well, at that point, both of us make a decision. We say, I'm going to go all in again to get more skills, more stuff, more interesting things happen to me. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to take what little bloody broken chips I got, and I'm going to go, and this is my character Quit now. while I'm ahead. I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. Yeah. And that's what Dawn didn't do. And that's what made her character great. Her character is such a... I'll be totally honest. Dawn's character is way more interesting than Wayne or I's character. Now, that's not to say Wayne or I's character is bad. It's just... Dan, you know people who've been to federal prison. You know people who've led a bad life. I do. You know people who have redeemed themselves from that bad life. And you know people who have seen a lot of hard road. Oh, yeah. They got some interesting stories? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could fill. Now, do the people who have not been to prison and have not redeemed and kind of went to college and had a couple of kids and are doing well, do they have 
as interesting of stories? No, oftentimes no. they quite frankly don't have many interesting stories at all. And actually beyond that, right. and I don't want to paint too broad of a brush right. here. And but, I will say that that does paint with a really broad brush. But I will say, generally speaking, the people I know that have had the easiest lives not only lack interesting stories, they tend to be not very deep people in terms of moral character. They've had no adversity mm. to temper and forge and burn out the dross. Mm. And so they walk out of it, quite frankly, oftentimes, I mean, not necessarily immoral, but just kind well, of life's too easy and they're, they're soft. Yeah. Life's too easy. They're soft and they don't know how to stay tough when they need mm. to. And not and, to say that you need to go sell meth to no, get some good no, stories no. in your belt, but I don't travel is broadening. Sure. Take some risks. Go places you've never been. Suffering does build character. Now, I don't want to take the basketball diaries approach to this of you can only have character through suffering. Right. Or you ought to. You know, we're selling fear the boot tack hammers of improve your life softy. Or yeah, yeah, you're freaking empty hypos (laughs) or you ought to go out and seek suffering because somehow that alone makes you have something to say. Right. I mean, I had a teacher in junior high who I thought had a really great observation. She's like, you know, we lionize these people that do things like go out and become alcoholics and then recover from it. And oftentimes now I think there's a value to that story Mm -hmm. because of the fact that for people who are in that, they need an inspiration to know they can get out. Yeah. But the point she made is, why do we never lionize the people who are smart enough to not do that in the first place? Yeah. Mm. And so, I mean, I, all things yeah. in perspective here, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not painting with an absolute or a broad brush regarding the human experience. The human experience is complicated. Mm-hmm. It's diverse. There's all kinds of stories to be told. But that goes back to what we're talking about, yeah. is when you look at these splatter marks that the randomness forced upon you prison injury yeah rivals all this experience because you know you fail at being a pirate oh yeah you get thrown in jail let's talk (laughs) well let's talk about the great character let's talk about the opposite side of this cycle of abuse yeah sometimes adversity makes you a bad person it does Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean (laughs) let's tie this into dawn's character again how do you feel being a pirate? You get arrested and blah, blah, blah. And it's great character and all that. And Don's character is not a good person. We're gun runners for the CIA. Oh. And it's like, we're doing something that is way not legal. And we maybe don't really quite have a mandate to do it. And maybe we're about to get caught. And we're like, you know, if we do this, the cops might show up. There might be a problem. We have, you know, talk ourselves out. We got to have a plan. And Don's character is like, I ain't going to jail again. There's going to be some dead f-ing cops. Cause I ain't going to jail again. It's for like, the record, well, that's dark. For the record, it's the Imperial Intelligence Services, not the CIA. The Celestial Intervention Agency. It's totally that. <laughs> cool. I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. On a dark note. Once again, be sure to... Better than the brown note. <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. That, that's. I think that's a political issue we can finally talk about. <laughs> the Repres- brown note? Yeah, Representative Swalwell. What, what, what's your take? Do you think it was a phone on vibrate on a hard surface? Or did he tear one on national television? Oh, he didn't. He just ripped one out. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's you know what? Own it. I don't even. That get you ten percent of the vote right there. Have, own it. Having listened to it, I think it was just a phone on vibrate on a hard surface. But if I was him, I would totally yeah yeah just go with it. And <laughs> it's just it. like hey, I'm own not, the joke. I'm not some untouchable politician. I'm a human being, and I fart just like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So farting for the people, man. 
yeah. campaign slogan. I mean, yeah, it, it's it, look, if we don't know anything else about the man, we know that we finally have a whistleblower in the government. <laughs> <laughs> so you, anyway, you know, you're going to have to link that video now. Oh, yeah, probably so, especially for anyone not in the U.S. Once again, I, I know what is going on with Swalwell. I am not commenting on the issue. Just the just fact the that brown note. just the fact that he farted on national television <laughs> or had a phone on vibrate. I don't know which, but it is funny in a completely immature, apolitical <laughs> sort of way. So that's how I'm looking at this. And that's all I want to take away from this. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, do check the show notes for uh, at least a link to the Big 20 show, yes. which once again is going on every Sunday at 9 p.m. American Central Time. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, you guys have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.